Welcome back, everybody, to the Hero with a Thousand Potions podcast. We're your hosts, Tyler and Nate. I'm Tyler. And I'm Nate. You remembered my name without your script. Oh my gosh, I did. I'm having a hell of a time with all of my podcasting infrastructure lately. It's exciting. We'll get right into it. We're at episode 10, aren't we? I don't know. You're the boss on that end of things. We are at episode 10. If our episode number was a Final Fantasy, we would be in Spira right now. I would not be complaining. But seriously, folks, we are getting back into the action of Final Fantasy VII Remake and Original. Of course, in season two, we are doing back-to-back. Or I should say we're doing uh, in tandem coverage of Final Fantasy VII Remake and its equivalent content in the original game, if it even exists. Today, we're getting into the underplate. That's chapter six. Nate, how are we doing, man? I'm doing good. I was uh, playing this game and doing some OG stuff and was just filled with nostalgia. And I had this thought of like, well, let me let me uh, divert for a second here. So I was heading in, dropping my kid off to daycare. And there's a there's a section of the room you walk through where there are older kids, like all, almost ready to go to normal school age kids. And like five or six of them are in a huddle all playing on their nintendo switches they have switch lights and big boy switches and everything and they're all linked up they're playing smash brothers i saw somebody playing mario kart another kid was creating like a giant death murder machine in tears of the kingdom with like like an 18 wielder with spikes on the front that he was running over a moblin with wow just catching all this out of the corner of my eyes and i thought to myself man these kids these days they got a really really good because back in the day when i wanted to be the um apostle spreading the gospel of final fantasy 7 to all my friends i had to dig into that entertainment system get all those cords pick up the giant ass playstation one and physically lug that thing over to their house Mm -hmm. in order to show them the game and you had to have a tv ready to go you had to find a spot where their parent wouldn't get mad that there were shits being spoken on the screen (laughs) and uh various things like that um i had a friend who he was into the game and he liked it then i went over to watch him play it one day and uh all of his characters were named penis and i was just like you do not deserve the blessing of the scriptures you're not respecting the content the way you should (laughs) these characters should not be named penis and it was every character so you didn't even know who the hell what the hell was going on in terms of the plot? It's like, how do you know who's talking about what? Whose penis are we talking about? I don't know. Um, so yeah, kids got it good these days. They don't gotta, they don't gotta lug that shit all over like we did. Mm-hmm. But, but on the other hand, they do have banned words. Oh yeah. 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 Well, the Final Fantasy seven version OG on switch still drops shits and the fucking pizza in, uh, reorganized text. Yes, in the wingdings. Yeah. My God, in my case, Nate, you know pretty well about my mold issue in the basement for the folks that aren't in our Discord. Uh, I am a refugee from my cozy little podcasting nook that I set up in the basement. Like a week after you finished it. (laughs) Yes, yes. I started feeling like having health issues and... I went to the doctor and and I'm still going to the doctor for certain things. And then my wife had the idea that maybe, you know, let's look into that smell in the basement, that kind of moldy smell. And we pulled away some of the the wood paneling and there's lots of black mold. I've been basically poisoning myself in the basement when I'm not just when I'm recording, but also like working from home and things like that. So um, we basically blew out the basement, tore everything out. And um, my 
My battle station is in disarray, so I'm in the landing now. It's going to sound a little bit differently for the next few episodes while I basically um, renovate the basement. But once it is all set up, it's going to be better than ever. I can't wait. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, but um, the, the mold had to go, basically. And now we're kind of remaking the basement in a in the way that we would kind of like to be instead of the way it was when we bought the place nice uh that sounds like the perfect reason to go to ikea and sit inside some tiny rooms i have an obsession with that of i wish i could get a house and just have like the standard rooms and everything but i also want like seven small rooms in whatever house i end up getting or building someday just so i can go buy some ikea tiny rooms to feel I like the constriction and coziness of it. I should. What's the nearest Ikea? Is that in? That's probably Minneapolis, I believe for you. Yeah. Just right outside the Mall of America. Yeah. And I mean, with the straight shot, maybe it takes you an hour and 10 minutes to get there. Not too mm. bad. Yeah. Yeah. You throw on one of our podcast episodes. You're good. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's get back to bit. Let's get down to business. Eh? Yeah. Hey, hey, there's your Wisconsin moment. Yeah. Your Charlie Barron's uh, alarm. Introducing the world's first Midwest voice translator and bottle opener. The only device that translates Wisconsinese, Upernese, and Minnesotan into English. I just put her down by the Davenport. Place the item by the couch. If I ever turn these into videos, I'll have to have like a PNG picture of him that I just flash on the screen whenever you drop your Wisconsinisms. <laughs> Excellent. I'm not even from Wisconsin. Chapter six begins with. Our heroes still trying to make their way to the Sector 5 reactor. We've been passing through the railway system of Midgar's uh, central pillar, but we've got a clever kind of workaround in which we're going to get to the Sector 5 reactor, and that's going through the underplate. Nate, what's the underplate? It's a series of catwalks and scaffolding and maintenance structures that were created to potentially work on the area. Now... Correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I tried to figure this out, but one of the sectors dropped, which I believe was sector five. So it would make sense that there is maintenance work being done here to potentially repair any egregious issues caused by the plate fall of sector five. You, you mean prior to the events of the game? Oh, yeah. We're going to. That's something that remake really elaborated on, but it's in like the subtext of original final fantasy as well because you go to midgar i don't know how to say this you find a map of midgar in the shinra building mm -hmm. and there's one of the plates is missing and if you do the calculations and you look at it from the the fact that like where sector seven is and the the reactor you blew up in the intro and you compare that with the map you're seeing in the shinra building there is just a straight up missing plate in the OG, and they never really explain it or look into it, but it is that sector that is in between um, a certain character's house and also like the seedy underbelly sector as well. So um, it is that sector in between the two, and it's just it's where like the uh, the big uh, construction hand is that we'll revisit later, and all and all the debris, and it. it just looks like shit. It looks like more shit than the typical slums, and so. It's all kind of there, but then in Remake, they elaborate that th there was a previous plate fall due to a um, like construction accident in the past. I'm I'm pulling this up from when I played it back in 2020, so maybe we'll find out that I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. So I think that we are 
underneath one like we're we're still close to the central pillar since that's where we escaped from so we're not like just dangling out in the abyss there but i think that's why there's all this construction work being done here because this is the like derelict plate from back in the day and that's why we're walking across catwalks maintenance elevators and uh, trolleys and different things that kind of shuffle you around this area Mm -hmm. metal girders sometimes even simple wooden planks that cross these windy chasms you feel very exposed in the underplate we're literally underneath the plate like in a sort of harrowing you know one wrong step you go plummeting to your death sort of environment it's pretty cool yes you can see the slums below you uh the buildings and all the the shanties and shacks and everything um lots of houses and little dirt roads alleys little factories and stuff but if you played this back in the day I, and you did play it on a, you said you brought a ps4 from somebody so you might remember this mm-hmm. i felt like they had a bit of a, a jpeg issue when you looked at that city not necessarily a jpeg but it was clear that you were looking at like a lower resolution just flat picture that was kind of just hovering like three inches below the lowest piece of geometry they had generated into the game really it just looked like it was like a picture floating right there below you i i remember being like whoa this doesn't this doesn't look great you know about the infamous low texture door right i do know about that yes i think this was the number one or the number two gripe after the door was the uh the midgard jpeg so, um <laughs> Uh, they mostly resolve that here by giving it a little bit more atmospheric perspective, some like distance blur, and mm-hmm. I believe stretching it differently, and it's high resolution as well. You can still kind of suss it out a little bit, but I think that's just the limitation of, okay, do we actually generate three-dimensional buildings for an entire town, or do we just roll with the old school way of you're looking at a picture of a mountain on the horizon and not actually a mountain? Classic trick. Mm-hmm. So our task is to cross the underplate with our lives intact. And uh, in order to do that, um, we have to cross over to section H. In order to do that, we have to power off these huge sun lamps because the console that powers the tram that gets the folks over the way to the actual uh, tour destination can it doesn't have enough power. And so you turn off these enormous heat lamps but they're not heating like you know a basket of fries at mcdonald's they're heating the slums below for what reason is kind of beyond me and we should talk about that but uh but the point of the of this entire chapter is simply navigating this pretty cool dungeon maze like definitely maze like dude i got super lost here on my first playthrough a few years ago i went over and round and round and round and it was and it really was just a matter of a fork in the road but the fork in the road isn't like you know a straight line that goes left or right it was it's like you turn left and cross this plank or you round this corner where there's a a ladder you didn't see that goes down you know and, and i missed the ladder that goes down so to speak so yeah, this kind of thing, it's its like the exact complaint people had about, say, Final Fantasy thirteen that the game was linear. You'd be just running down a giant yet beautiful hallway <laughs> that uh, it might have a little corner where you dip into a corner and loot a chest, but then you're back on your main stretch. And so 
even though this game was largely designed by all the same people, I think they heard that feedback and decided we need more variety and dungeon-esque experiences back in the series. Mm -hmm. So like you said, this is a dungeon and it's a, like, it's a contextual dungeon. You're not diving into a cave. You're not opening a magical seal on a door where a king is buried or something. This is like, it's a in-world explanation for why you're doing these things, but make no mistake, you're solving little puzzles and killing monsters the whole way through. And um, I think what I like about this dungeon in particular is that it's like a, it's a natural dungeon in that everything you're doing kind of makes sense with the lamps, the catwalks, the trolleys, everything like this is all stuff that they would be using these things to move cargo and supplies and doing maintenance and everything and also we should mention that this place is covered in all those gas strike pods from the um the railway tunnel as well so it's Mm, it's uh also infested and so barrett gives a little extra commentary not necessarily different than before but the same commentary about shinra not giving a shit effectively but but yeah to me this like reads as a natural dungeon in that you're getting lost because it makes sense that this place is complex and um, what I would consider a, or maybe let's say it's a natural maze. I I guess that's a better way to put it. And what I would consider an unnatural maze would be as much as I love the games, something like Castlevania, where even in like the chaos that is the living hell of Dracula's castle, no sane architect would make a library that requires the denizens to know how to double jump to access the second floor. You know, it's like you you realize immensely that even though the setting is cool, you're playing a video game. And here, mm-hmm. here in seven, there's an immersion level that really hits. I can also point to maybe like a cathedral in Diablo that has you fight through 730 fully masoned rooms in that cathedral. And it's like, hmm, did the 17 people who live here in Tristram build a chapel for 80,000 worshipers? And what are all of these books and altars exploding every time I throw a punch? Like, how many Bibles do you need to beat Satan? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I consider those unnatural mazes. And sometimes yes. it's a little immersion breaking for me. It's like, just make a normal cathedral and then, like, have a cave system that's burst out below them. And then turns out Satan built a like <laughs> corrupting facility below that's made all the worshipers nuts, you know, and like variety. And I think there's a video of that donkey made at one point. That's like the amount of variety that they put in donkey Kong games is just mind blowing. And that's what I want. So um, I think we're getting it here in the dungeon slash maze of the underplate. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a very well lived in dungeon inset into the game world. There's n- there's no question about it. I feel the same way about this dungeon as I do about that one alley that I like said was was so like filled with life and realism in the same sort of way like that alley had like graffiti and bars on windows. This one like there are there's construction materials and like and, uh, like lying around and there's um rope lights wrapped around staircases to help you identify them um there's the trolleys are squeaky and awkward it's very immersive very enjoyable this is an area that got complaints from people back in initial release of like again the patterning experience that we've talked about of well it wasn't like this before and they're just arbitrarily extending the game time and it's like you mean they 
they made a video game. <laughs> like, I don't know what the complaint is. And honestly, I wouldn't mind if they went a little harder on this one. Like, give me the water temple of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh my god. I wouldn't complain. Like, have me have me need to systematically... There's like a few areas where we need to move some of the catwalks up and down. You know, like... um they're moving cargo from one floor to the next as needed Mm -hmm. and uh you have to do that for yourself and it's like maybe make it so i need to like string together six of those in order to get across and i need to do it from all these different places other people might really complain about that but i love that kind of shit so you know honestly it it was it was pretty great and i i have no complaints about this section i want to circle back to the sun lamps Yes. We're powering them down. And as we do, Tifa says that the purpose of the sun lamps is to produce illumination for the grounders. Now that's Tifa's word. If Tifa uses it, it's not a pejorative. So we'll just call it the slum dogs, (laughs) the grounders. Um, But for what reason? I mean, it takes energy to produce these lamps. Of course, we're turning them off to navigate the dungeon. And it's not like the denizens of the slums below are paying this solar bill to Shinra. I I can't believe that that's the case. So why are they doing it? We have a quote from Tifa where she's imitating President Shinra. She says, by the light of our magnificent... Well, I guess I should be doing a Tifa voice, right? But I can't really do her voice. I'll just read it straight. By the light of our magnificent lamps, we shall lead our brothers and sisters of the Undercity to a brighter future. By the light of these magnificent lamps, we shall lead our brothers and sisters of the Undercity to a brighter future. Say what? It's from a speech President Shinra gave, talking up the importance of the sun lamps. Just that wording sounds kind of Trump-esque to me. (laughs) Maybe a tad more elegant, but I still hear the, we've got tremendous lamps, magnificent lamps. (laughs) <laughs> you, you know, I hear it every day. The woke avalanches say, you're wasting energy with these lamps, but the people love them. I put more lamps up and my poles, they go up. Oh my God. You can hear it, you know. I do. I Well, fuck me, I do now. And when when we kind of conclude our walk through these next couple chapters, I, I definitely get that, like, man of the people manipulation from President Shinra, for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Propaganda is going to play a role. Mm, yes. That's for damn sure. All right. Well, maybe that's the answer or, or maybe that's the cover for, I don't know, a surveillance system. If there's riffraff going on in the in the slum below, can you power on the light and illuminate them so that the attack helicopters can chase the belligerents? I don't know. I think that's the thing we're seeing more in Remake is in the slums, we've met a lot more Shinra simps than we ever did in original, you know? So, like I said, maybe it's you turn on the lamps, the poles go up. It's just the way it goes. So it's it's worth it to turn them on. Okay, all right. It earns... I, I can buy that. I can buy that. It earns President Shinra political capital. Yes. Very nice. There isn't very much character development over the course of the chapter here. The biggest one that I can think of, and I don't really know if it even constitutes character development, is, well, Barrett's afraid of heights. Um, he's shedding his his tough exterior because he's afraid about, he's afraid to navigate this dungeon, and it makes some sense. I mean, my goodness, they're, you know, walking over steel beams over 
a yawning chasm on all sides. At one point, they got to go past like maintenance or like exhaust fans that are 10 times the size of them. And that's when he's really like, oh, God, no fear, no fear. Yeah, no fear, no fear. Oh, yeah, yeah, the fans. That's right. Near the end of the of the dungeon, we have to cross these enormous vent fans. And hey, we see a red materia on the other side of one of them. Yeah, and he, he does lose his shit. And it is an intense moment for everybody, but Tifa and Cloud are much more composed than Barrett is. You also mentioned that they have to go from like section 8 H to G to F or whatever. And it kind of makes me think like, all right, we've got the the sections and then we've got the plans, the the plans A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H. And oh, yes. also probably... I can grab you a quote from like Metal Gear Solid 2 where uh, Raiden has to run from shell F to shell G. Raiden, go back to shell H and acquire the, the C4, you know. On the northwest end of the first floor of strut A, You're needed on there's strut a door C. that leads to you the can see the connecting bridge. Shell one Cross to the, the east. bridge to get You'll to strut B. The go to connecting strut bridge C on and the opposite the bomb side. Take the BC connecting bridge on the north B to get to C. And uh, I was just getting flashbacks of that, of like everything's in this neat little contained section. Shells of what? Uh, oh, yeah. You don't know what that means. Well, everybody out there, when uh, Metal Gear Solid Collection comes out this fall, I demand you pick it up because those games are amazing. Uh, there is an oil spill in the middle of a, um urban area in America, off the coast of an urban area in America, and they build a giant uh, water purification uh, facility. And they each, it's called the Big Shell, and they each, uh, it's a like hexagonal interlinked cell system of uh, platforms meant to clean the water and they're all called shells so yes hmm. i am following now thank you yeah sorry i i just hopped right into that one i was using i was depending on the shared gamer knowledge but I, you know not everybody's played the metal gear games raiden turn the game console right now what did you say so of course we're fighting enemies as we're down here too there are gash trikes there are queen gash trikes in fact we'll fight two of them at a time in order to get a what was that materia the added effect materia was it yeah i forget there was some good stuff down here very important materia added effect if you junction it to a materia slot on your weapon that can link to another materia it'll add the effect of the elemental to your weapon for example if you junction lightning to your added effect on your weapon you will do some lightning damage uh, as well. And then as the added effect material ranks up, it'll increase the percentage of damage that is elemental. And if you equip uh, it to your defensive item and it can junction to another material slot, it'll produce protection from that particular element that is paired to it. And then other enemies we fight, um, there's three different kinds of sentry guns that will fight a machine gun one, a laser gun, and a rocket turret. Those are pretty dangerous. There are some like aquatic creatures that I feel like we keep running into as well. There are these, where is it? There are blue goos. These are blue flying fish-like creatures that according to the, like when you, when you inspect them, it says they like moist, dark environments. They're vulnerable to lightning and air. When I first ran into them, uh, Cloud just ran right into their faces and he took a double helping of their sleep-inducing water volleys and his health goes to critical in a split second. Not a good start to my first Blue Goo fight. I thought that was pretty funny. But there are these other creatures too. They're like, um, what were they called? Terp 
Terpiscolt, T-E-R-P-I-S-C-O-L-T, yellow-orange seahorses, blood-sucking aquatic monsters that also like dark, moist environments. But then they have this attack where they like spin in a in a horizontal circle like a like a donut and when they hit you you take a really really good amount of damage they can even corner you while they're doing this this um sustaining move and you'll and you'll take hit after hit after after hit they're dangerous definitely yeah they freaking hurt but nate um i'm noticing that between the turpus gold and the other guy the blue goo these are like i would expect to see these creatures in a like an oceanic environment, not high up in the air. And this place doesn't even seem very moist to me in the first place. There are these exhaust fans, these spinning fans. There's um, like chimneys guttering, like upside down exhaust into the air around us. The wind is whipping by, the wind, you know, wind can dry you. What is it about this place that is, where moist, <laughs> oh my God, where moist monsters like to hang out? I don't know, it's like the age old, rpg trope of fish that can just float on the land and yes. <laughs> attack you on land because rarely are you ever going to sensibly be underwater just able to swing swords and cast fire <laughs> as mm -hmm. normal uh that's something that xenoblade actually did pretty well of you can't draw the fish out of the water you got to fight the fish near the water and at least allow them to be in their natural habitat there so mm -hmm put up a fighting chance yep i don't know it's just a it's just a it's a video game thing we we don't want to limit our monster design and i'm guessing these guys had some presence in og so they thought we can't cripple our enemy roster that much yeah that's true they those two creatures are in uh original as well although the seahorses go by a different name they are choose tanks C-H-U-S-E space tank, like tank. Why they're called choose tanks, I have no idea. But they're floating green seahorses with a yellow dorsal fin. And they also do that rolling claw um, attack as well. They are not as dangerous in original as they are in remake. Sure. Also, you mentioned the sentry rays and sentry guns and the rocket launchers. Those are all deactivated when you first enter the area. And it isn't until you turn off some of the lamps that they have the access to like the power grid now and so that's when they'll start attacking you and so it kind of introduces this you're doing backtracking through the dungeon to like once one lamp's off you can use more um elevators and trolleys and then once the second lamp's off it opens up another area so as you're doing that backtracking it's creating more challenges uh with each progression so there was one area where you get kind of cornered by like four or more of just various gun types. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we need our gears of war, chest high walls everywhere that I can duck behind. But unfortunately, this game doesn't have that. And I just have to block and dodge all the time. I was like, I just need I need a break to get a potion out or something. But that break never came. I was getting pelted by bullets and rockets nonstop. Yeah, that's the last encounter before the end of the chapter where you're confronted with two machine guns two laser guns two rocket launchers and it's chaotic it's really really chaotic i remember i, I 
I swapped a Baird a lot between this chapter and the next one, and it had the added effect lightning on his gun. Ooh, ooh, I didn't think of that. Damn. Oh, dude, yeah, man. It's great. Damn, son. He's issuing all that extra lightning damage. Of course, mechanical enemies are vulnerable to lightning. And then he has the spell lightning as well. So I played a lot of Barrett, who's a big help in that fight and a big help throughout Sector 5 when we get to it. Speaking of bad strategy on my part, it's really difficult playing this game and Final Fantasy 16 at the same time with completely different button interfaces. Like, there's just no recourse on even changing your buttons around to get them to match because uh you just have a completely different way of engaging combat in both games but you're playing two final fantasy games action-oriented final fantasy games back to back so i was having the hardest time like oh dodge is not on the face buttons in this game and it is in the face buttons and remake and there is no guard in 16 so i just stopped guarding at all in seven remake until i realized oh yes yes i can block some of this shit Damn it. Well, that's all right, Nate. You said that was the last encounter, but we do have a special encounter to go through as well. Oh, yes. To get the that material we saw behind the fan? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to take us through that? There's a room where it's like a, a restroom. Not a restroom. It's got a bench in it and a vending machine. So it's like the it's where all the Shinra maintenance workers go to get their uh, Doritos. But um <laughs> So you can sit on the bench there, but there's a computer that says you can access the next area, but it's infested with enemies. So you, you're going to need to clear them out before you can get there. And so it starts a timer, a one minute timer, except my ass was beat. So the timer starts and I'm like, can I sit on the bench and get my health back? Cause I just done that gunfight, right? So I sit on the bench and by the time that's over and cloud takes his leisurely sit and sword positioning on the bench. I've got like 25 seconds left to do this fight oh and it is, it is not easy. And so I failed miserably. How did uh, how'd that one go for you? I failed the first time. I don't know what I was doing wrong, but I, I didn't take them down. And part of me wanted to like reset the game because my gut reaction to failing this surprise time attack was that I'm never going to be able to get the material beyond. And I didn't want to be locked out of that but I was wrong. That is old thinking mm -hmm. in terms of video gaming. And I did get another shot uh, without resetting. However, when I did, there were different enemies there. There were simply three regular gas trikes, not one queen and one sentry gun. This was a lot easier. And I don't know why they cheaped me out of that challenge. Maybe they thought upon feeling at once that I didn't deserve the challenge and that it deserved something easier. But... That's what happened when I opened that door the second time, and I did get it. And we get the a new summon materia. Of course, summon materias are red materia, and that's what this one is. It is the Chocobo and Moogle summon materia. Now, Barrett has a lot of enthusiasm about what this summon materia could be, and so in a matter of like ludonarrative harmony, I equip it to him. What kind of badass will pop out of this one? We'll see. We're all jacked to have the next summon material, but he seemed especially excited. So yeah, that's going to be his. And chocobos are like real creatures in the Final Fantasy VII world. They're not like these mythical creatures that pop out of these stones when you need when you need them to do burst damage. But I guess a chocobo can be that too. And the reason being is that this summon material is also in Final Fantasy VII original 
you don't find it in Midgar, but it is in the game. And over the course of lots and lots of Final Fantasies, even into, I think the first one might have even been three or four, you've had a Chocobo summon spell. And although we have a gritty and realistic remake on our hands, they're still giving us that summon Chocobo experience here. So it kind of looks and feels a little silly in contrast to our original summon material, Ifrit, the burning demon that, you know, uppercuts and fire explodes out of everything around him. Mm -hmm. This is a, this is a, a yellow ostrich and a, and a mole bat. Yes. Associated with that. That's a Moogle. Of course, Moogles are, you know, a cute mascot creature, one of a few, I guess, uh, over the course of the Final Fantasy VII franchise at large and definitely the most popular Moogle, a fuzzy, cute. It's a teddy bear. It's a teddy bear with a little, little pom-pom hanging off the top of his head by a little antenna. And I said Moogle, excuse me, I said mole bat earlier because if you look at what Moogle means in Japanese, it is a contraction of the words mole and bat. And they are a little mole-like, although more teddy bearified. I'll just put it. And they have like little bat wings most of the time. Mm. And so they're here in the summon materia and we have them. And my man with the machine gun is wielding it now. I failed, obviously, as I said, but I got it on the second time as well. And I got an achievement for it. And I don't know if there's an achievement for actually doing it the first time, too, if there's a separate one. So I'm curious about that. But what it did to me, you know, you felt like you were kind of cheated out of that that challenge the actual like earning the materia the way you'd wanted to initially and i felt the same way and it kind of reminded me of a recent experience i had in final fantasy 16 where there's this long extended boss fight and i got right up to the end she was almost dead and then i died and i was like no i'm gonna have to redo the whole fucking thing hell no and no they they got me at like one of the combat checkpoints where she's at 30 percent health and so they restart me there but they restart me with full health and full potions and i was just like i feel so robbed mm. restart me where my health and potions were at that point and see let me see if i can do it again now that game does have an arcade mode, so to speak, where they let you replay the stages and you are not given that leniency whatsoever. They will just say, nope, you're fucking dead. <laughs> Try again. Still, even in the main game, I felt a little cheaped out in that moment where, yes, you failed. But I don't want you to just, like, hand me the win because I failed the first time, you know? Definitely. So, with that, I think we're pretty much done with the underplayed up to you know we've got someone to check in with here but do we want to knock out og underplayed quick i would love to my dudes it is a single screen maybe you could argue a single screen plus a couple screens of utility shafts for which you are crawling through but that's all of the equivalent content there are a random battles here like we said choose tanks grass trikes blue goos we descend a few utility ladders and then the game screen opens up into this large map of ladders and and more utility platforms. And if you look a little harder at this map, the background image has little roads and paths and lights suggesting that it's the communities below. And it's kind of blowing me away right now because I didn't remember this short series of screens in the original, but it's absolutely true. Sure, they did expand into a whole dungeon, 
but the underplay does exist in original. Definitely. And like you said, it's single screen. I got into one battle <laughs> before I was finished with it. So you're right that it's all there. Like it was just it's given more substance to it in remake. And I like that because it's like it is an interesting setting to be in to the point where I don't know that I registered as a kid the background looking at the city floating below i don't i don't think that i registered that i was floating in an underplate area above all that yeah me neither it, it more so just came off as one of those like dioramas the kind of thing you see a lot in well, well you see pretty much everywhere in final fantasy tactics where you're like we're representing the area you're in but we can't show you absolutely everything that's what kind of hit me as hmm. and i i wasn't really perceiving it the way it was being presented so yeah going back to it now after playing remake it has so much more context and it's like oh dang yeah it's all there all the little like not the layout not the lamps per se but just the um presentation encapsulates the entire concept of what this area was in og as well mm -hmm. and that's it that's it for the chapter in remake we got bigs right in both remake and og the end of the underplate section is running into Biggs. He's waiting for us. He's been waiting for us for a while if you're in, if you're playing through Remake with us. And yeah, so we go up that utility shaft to run into him. We fill him in on Jesse's injury. He says Shinra's looking for us in Sector 4, which is a feint, so we can move about easier in Sector 5. And then he issues grappling hooks to all of this what is this legend of zelda you know i'm playing tears of the kingdom and it's like i know i have all the mobility in the world in this game but it'd be great to have a grappling hook but no they gotta make you climb everything it's like give me a late game grappling hooks because i'm i'm fucking over climbing at this point is legend of zelda in a post grappling hook era Yes, because I have this thing that I've, I guess it's popular. I didn't know about this online. I made it myself. I was experimenting with various forms of this, but I have this thing I call the air bike. And I now have enough resources in the game where I can just pop this thing off at will. And I have enough battery life that I've upgraded that I can use it for quite a while. Early game, it's kind of useless because you don't have the batteries to utilize it well. But it's two fans attached to a control stick. And what that turns into is essentially the de facto movement machine in the game. You can go as nearly as high as you want, go anywhere with incredible amount of control. And basically the sky's the limit, literally. So it's a hover bike. Exactly. And it, yeah, I think I've seen videos of that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so with that being the case, it's like I'm never going to need any other mobility tool now because it's incredibly cheap to make and like i said once you have the battery life you can basically see something in the distance and be like all right i'm going there you know so now i'm in the phase of the game where i'm skimming the ground with the korok mask on just waiting to find koroks and i'm like essentially it's like mowing a giant lawn of just skimming the ground with this air bike and waiting till i hear a little korok chirp out from his hole and i'm like i'm gonna go grab you and my son teddy loves it so anyway uh yes to answer your question long answer grappling hooks we're, we're over them we're over them uh, one of the last things that is said in the chapter it comes from baird who says we'll be using these babies referring to the grappling hooks to get down safe dramatic pregnant pause 
all of us. When we're done, we'll be using these babies to get down safe. All of us. It made me think of, is this how, what they were going to do for the, uh, you know that sequence where you have to ride down from a certain exploding apparatus a little bit later in OG, right? And they just they grab onto a wire and proceed to just swing on a Tarzan wire mm. 300 feet towards the ground where they would be splatted against any surface immediately. Like their bodies would explode in a mass of flesh if they actually did that Tarzan swing off that wire. I thought what they were seeding with the grappling hook is they were going to come into play in that sequence, but they don't. So um, uh, we'll see it a little bit here. It'll be used differently. I have to mention that uh, Biggs dodges a, a giant bear hug from Barrett. It seems like Barrett has, even though they've got some detours without how well his multiple plans are shaking out for him, I believe Barrett has his bombing boner on at this moment because he is just pumped to get this bombing done. He, he is. He is jacked about it. He's pumping us up. But you have to remember, this game came out in 2020, so we are social distancing. And so Biggs, he does like a boxer bob and weave under Barrett's hug and doesn't even flinch. And then he sprays him with aerosol disinfectant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wrinkling his nose. But uh, yeah, reactor time, huh? All right, gang. So that wraps up the chapter. It is a short chapter and it might make for a short episode. So we are going to take a break here. And then next episode, we will circle back to bombing sector five. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening, everybody. The Hero with a Thousand Potions podcast is a production of Gunblade Guys. That's us, Tyler and Nate. Think about liking us, subscribing to us, five-starring us, writing a review about us, or telling a fellow game liker about us, too. Join us on Discord by clicking a link on our podcast description paragraph and tip us with a link you can find on that podcast description as well and don't even think about emailing us at gunbladeguys at gmail.com i'm tyler that's nate and we will see you next time bye bye Start recording on this janky ass laptop. You better sound good or I'm deleting the entire episode. I I really better. I'm in this landing now and it's getting, and I don't know how echoey it's going to sound. It sounds echoey to me, but I don't know if that's the case. You sound mostly of an acceptable quality on discord at the very least. And I've got all my same filters set up like as I had on my power yeah, last episode. Just stop kicking whatever you're kicking all right. right now. Street Fighter. Scream right. Fighter it's been for me lately. Has it really? S- scream at my monitor fighter. Oh no. Is your rank descending? Well, every other rank, once you hit that rank, you're locked in. Like, when you hit gold, you're gold forever. You can't downrank to silver. Mm. And I thought that was the case with platinum. No, it is not the case. So, I lost my platinum, like, an hour after getting it. And it's like, all right, well, I don't know how I feel about that. I was pumped about being able to hit that milestone. And then just kind of, like, 
chill and not have to worry about down ranking anymore. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I might be, I might just be done. My parents are here, so like it was later me getting Teddy down. But I think by 10, 10 30, my time, I should be available. And we want to shoot for Monday. That seems good for me. They'll still be here, but they, I mean, by. By nine o'clock, they're ready to go to bed. They're old, so mm-hmm. yeah. But anyway, are they staying with you at the? No, they're at the base. They got a hotel, so okay. How long are they in town? Honestly, I don't know. They just kind of decide when they <laughs> they come, and then they like they get. I bet you love that. I bet you love that. Um, I don't know. It's my life is like nothing. <laughs> I don't have a life anymore, so I don't know what to say. It's sure there's there's people. I can I can step away from and take a poop without my kid knocking down the door, wondering where I am. So mm-hmm. yeah. Also, during this whole re- recording session, I'm dropping massive frames for no reason. The same problem I had before I reset everything. So yay maybe good another good reason to pause it yay huzzah why does it do this huzzah everybody yep all right so